I'm obliged and commanded and led by the Holy Spirit and God to preach the whole counsel of God. Um, there are preachers out there that, <clears throat> for political reasons, have chosen not to preach whole sections of the Bible. They just they just avoid it. They just uh, a liberal. You you can you know a liberal by what they don't say. Now listen to what I just said. You can recognize a liberal by what they don't say. A liberal, I, I met an Episcopalian preacher one time, and he says, you and I are the same. I said, how so? He says, well, we're both Christians. I said, are we? I said, define for me what you mean by salvation. Well, by the time we talked about 10 minutes, uh, what I realized was he didn't believe anything. He didn't believe the miracles of the Bible were really what they were. He didn't believe inspiration of the Bible. And so I said, well, look how different we are. Look how different we are. We're not even the same. We're not the same. So he was a raving liberal trying to tell me that I, he and I were, as a fundamental Bible believer, he and I were the same. They want to do that. They want to be in your camp, but they're not in your camp as a Bible believer. Uh, that's what they don't say. So, But when you start querying them and questioning them, find out what they are. And, brother, if, if Trump's done anything to the liberals of our country, he stripped their clothes off in public. I mean, they've come out of the closet, and they have said what they are, and they do not like to do that. They do not like to commit themselves. They like to run under that under that guise of we're buddies with everybody. We're, we we love the poor. We love we love children and all this. Other. Well, why don't you stop aborting twenty four hundred a day then? Why don't you start putting your mouth where your where your action is? Well, they won't. So, are you ready for the sermon? Because I preface this sermon with all that. Because this message is a, somewhat of a tough message. It's a hard message. It's got a hard message to it. But let me tell you, it's as Bible as any sermon I ever preached on the love of God or any sermon I ever preached on heaven. It's as Bible, and as a preacher, I must be responsible to preach the whole counsel of God. So the title of the message is, he died from self-inflicted wounds. Uh, he died from self-inflicted wounds. The passage to turn to is Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32-33. Proverbs 6, 32-33. If, if I was going to categorize the list of sins in the Bible as one of the more easier sins to fall into, really I would consider it maybe the the easiest sin to fall into in this life, it would be immorality. It would be immorality. It's everywhere. It's on your right hand. It's on your left hand. It's smeared all over our society. It's all over the Internet. It's everywhere. Immorality. We are sensual beasts. We are sensual creatures. And uh, God tells us you're not like the animals. You're made in my image. And as a born-again Christian especially, you now have the Holy Spirit. The power of sin, according to Romans chapter 6, has been broken. And shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So don't, I have had some men tell me, well, you know, you just don't understand. As a man, I have these certain things. And yeah, I was the old man before you got saved. That may be true. Sin or sin. But as a born-again born again from above 
Holy Spirit indwelt, uh, uh, nine fruit of the Spirit manifested Christian, I absolutely have no excuse for going back to the old way. I don't have an excuse for doing that. So let me talk to you about here. The headline read on the newspaper, he died from self-inflicted wounds, another suicide. Through the years, I've read over and over again that headline. Some were comedians that died from self-inflicted wounds, whose purpose in life was to make people laugh. Humor surrounded their very existence, it seemed. Uh, yet, they took their own life. Some were important businessmen uh, who seemingly had everything you would want in this world, had success and possessions, and they had made the goals that they had placed before them, all that the world would seem to seek after, yet they took their own life from self-inflicted wounds. Some were loners. They were quiet. Uh, they, were, they didn't speak much. They were to themselves folks who no one really seemed to know well, who hid away in their own little world, but yet they died from self-inflicted wounds. Some were young, very young, in the very prime of their lives. They were teenagers. They were in their mid-20s, at the very pinnacle of their strength and physical prowess, uh, yet they died from self-inflicted wounds. Some men and some, some of them were men and some of them were women, evenly spread throughout the genders, and there is only two genders. Some heavy, some skinny, some pretty, some homely. But they all died from self-inflicted wounds. One thing they all shared together was that they felt somehow or another that this life was not worth living any longer, that this life was so bad, so intolerable, so painful, that any escape possible was worth the risk. You realize when a person takes their own life, they do not know what is going to happen after they take their life. That's quite a scary thing. They do not know that when they take their own life, what's going to happen next? They don't know. And yet they're willing to take that risk. What pushes somebody to the place where they're willing to, to, to jump, as it were, into the unknown without knowing whether it's going to be better or whether it's going to be worse? They felt so pushed into a corner with nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, nowhere to turn, that they eventually decided to die, take their life of self-inflicted wounds, so sad and really so crazy, so irreversible, so permanent. My aunt, Mouse, had a middle son, Mark, who I grew up with, that decided to take his life at 33 years old. And... Uh, I talked to Mouse on a pretty regular basis, and she said, uh, she's now about 85 years old or so, she said, Billy, she said, death is so silent, so silent. All communication with Mark ended when he took his life. There was no more communication with her and with him 
it was over. It's one thing to destroy your body, yet uh, another so much more of an eternal thing to destroy your soul. Of all the sins that are listed in the Bible, one sin stands out from all the rest of them. One seems to push its victims in the direction of this self-inflicted wound. One seems to carry with it a severe and so harsh a warning. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32 and 33 are those two verses. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get. And his reproach shall not be wiped away. Notice the verse primarily is directed to men. It's directed to men. Immorality as a whole seems to be, by majority, a male-driven sin. Men are sight-oriented with strong hormonal drive. They are stimulated visually and oftentimes consumed by this sin of immorality. Females seem to be more, I mean, females can be immoral and are immoral, no doubt, sometimes. But they are, uh, I think, correctly men in this verse are credited to be the most responsible in the area of, if I may call it, a besetting sin. Secondly, he who commits adultery does not understand what he's getting into. He says he lacketh understanding. It seems like if he understood what he was getting into, he may stop and say, I'm not going to do this. It is simply not worth it. They're simply not worth it. And so what I'm doing tonight is preaching what the Bible said to try to keep people, you and wherever this goes, you understand this message goes all over. If you're listening to this or watching this, God is trying to save you tonight because you do not understand how serious it is to commit adultery or to commit immorality. It says that because if you do it, you lack understanding. And because he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Boy, passion blinds people. Um, it, it blinds them to the coming pain. For the few moments of delight, they are willing to sell their souls. All the warnings around that are ignored, both the inner voice and the outer voices are pushed aside. Would this person stop if he knew what was coming after just a few minutes of pleasure? There's now coming a world of pain. Would he stop? Would he stop? Thirdly, we see the end of this behavior is self-inflicted wounds to the soul. A wound and dishonor 
shall he get. It's a promise. This is a promise that people don't quote a lot. Hey, I love the promises of the Bible. Do you? Do you? This is one of them. A wound and dishonor shall he get. It's a promise of the Bible. So the soul is talking about there is any that's that's an eternal part of you. That's the intellect, emotions, and will. It's your it's your it's who you are. What is the soul? It's who you are. Your body is not who you are. If you get in war and, and, and you get in front of a uh, uh, an explosion and takes off your two arms and two legs, you lost half of the half of the percentage of your body, and yet you are absolutely intact, one hundred percent. Your soul has not been diminished at all. If and I don't know how much more of the body you can lose than that, but your but your soul, though maybe contained in the body, is not subject to the body. Because once it will not be sustained by the body, the soul then leaves the body and is eternal, as far as I know, and biblically, you're eternally conscious. You're, that's who you are. It's, it's you. It's, it's, it could be considered, would you not, as the most valuable, I'm, I'm, gonna just, I'm maybe call it a thing here, which is maybe not right, but it's the most valuable possession you are ever given by God, your existence. It's a valuable thing beyond, beyond weight that you can exist eternally as a soul. Fourthly, it says a wound and dishonor is a never-ending reproach that are attached to it. A wound and dishonor shall you get and, is, and shall not go away. It's not going to go away. There's other places in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 18, 19, it says, speaking of an immoral woman, for her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again. You don't come back the same. When you go into immorality, you do not come back the same. Something changes when you go into immorality. The Bible says the two become one flesh, and it warns you about making yourself one with a harlot. Why? Somehow there is a, an interchanging exchange made in the sin of immorality. You do not come back the same. That's why the Bible warns against it. None that go unto her again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. Proverbs 5, 22, 23. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. He shall be holden with the cords of his own sin. I do not know anything as addictive as possessive as immorality, whether it, be, whether it be manifested through pornography, you know, mental immorality, or physical immorality, but all physical immorality has to do with your mind. First your mind thinks about it, and your body then completes it. But if you're in a position where your body cannot complete it, your mind thinks about it without your body completing it, but nevertheless it's the same. Jesus said, if a man looks on a woman to lust after her, that's that mind part, he's already committed adultery in his heart. The only difference is the physical act. Neither one are sugar-coated in the book. They're not sugar-coated. They're warned against. And there's an addiction process as part of the penalty for the sin. You're held by the cords of your own sin. In other words, you want something that's wrong and illegitimate, and God says dangerous. You commit to it, 
no matter what the warnings are, and the punishment for it, it is, it's addiction. Now, a brother over here knows about addiction. You know, cocaine. I had people in my office before that sold their, literally sold everything of value in their life. They sold their wife, they sold their family, they sold their children, they sold their, their job, they sold their teeth to cocaine. There's nothing left. They sat in front of me, a wrecked individual, blackened teeth. I said, what could ever be so good that you would give up everything that we would call right and holy in life for this drug? And they, they actually stumble around at trying to explain to me how obsessive it is, how they're obsessed by it. The one guy warned me as a preacher. He says, have you ever done cocaine? I said, I never have. He said, don't. He said, I was addicted the first time I did it. I was hopelessly and haplessly and helplessly been addicted since the first time I've done it. He said, preacher, it's not a physical addiction. He says, it's a mental. He says, it gets into your mind. It's so good, so wild, so crazy that he says, after I've been off of it for six months, thinking maybe I'm breaking free, one, I'll get in a ceiling, I'll start meditating, and I'll say, man, I'm, I, I got a little money, I'm starting to, I'm starting to recover financially, I, and I think, man, this money I got in my hand here, I can get my teeth fixed, or I can go down and I can have a three-day binge of cocaine. And it says, preacher, I take the little money I've gained, and I go down and buy cocaine on a, and do a three-day binge. He said, that's addiction. I said, yeah. The Bible warns us that when you commit sin, you're a servant of sin. Isn't that one of Jesus' words? Isn't that the key verse of, of our you, whosoever sins, servant of sin? You're a servant of sin when you commit it. Let me tell you, this is, no, this is nothing to play with. The warning of the Word of God is uh, that we call it pornography or we call it visual sin. It is nothing to mess with. It is so dangerous. Uh, if, if you're not careful, you'll get, you'll get given over to that. David said, I think it was, keep me back from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. What it is, is when God says is you rebelliously take this stuff on, he just gives you over to it. He says, you want it? Now you're going to want it. And even if you don't want it, you're going to want it. You're held by the cords of your own sin. Proverbs 5.22. Woo! Proverbs 7.22 and 23. He goeth after her straightway, that is a strange woman, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart, that is an arrow or a spear, strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. I have a live catch trap in my house. I have a couple of them. And I, I want to catch rats. I, catch, I got a lot of rats because I have feed on the ground. When you got feed on the ground, you get rats show up. And so we want to catch rats. So what do you catch rats? Uh, you get a, when you get rats, you take beef jerky. It's something real smelly, like beef jerky. And you grind it up a little bit in your hand, and you put it in this little, in the middle of this, Live catch. This live catch thing has one door, one door. You go in, but you don't come out. That's what I'm talking about tonight. 
And so these rats, they go all around this cage. They go on top of it. They go around the side of it. And they're, that smells like ribeye, man. That smells like ribeye, baked potatoes, smothered and covered. I'm starving to death. I got to have that. And as a, as a dumb beast, they finally go in. They find the door. And they go in that door. And the door drops down with their weight and lets them in. And then flips back up. And they don't get to come out. And then old Billy shows up. The next morning, and they panic when they see me. Oh, this is, this is trouble. I know it's trouble. And I grab the top of the cage, and I say, trouble's here. And I take him over to my lake and drop it in the lake. And for four minutes, they spend all the energy they have trying to get out of that trap. But they do not get out of it. They die. That is what this verse means. Like a bird to the snare. That's what you and I do when we submit to the temptations of immorality. This does not have to be you. This does not have to be you. I hope you're hearing this today. I hope you're listening. You need to carefully consider what's being said. You need to roll it over in your mind. You need to search it out in the Bible to see if the old preacher's right. You need to contemplate it. Question I ask you, are you under the ruthless grip of pornography or cyber immorality? And I said it clearly. Ruthless, compassionless. It will strip every good thing that God wants to give you away from you. It'll take it away. Your clear conscience, your sweet, sweet, wholesome, clear conscience, where you can lay down in your bed at night and just have a sweet sleep, will be gone. And money cannot buy it back. Does pornography or immorality have a stranglehold on you? Do you quit, make all kinds of vows, become accountable, then go back to it? Does it call you in the night? Are you really a slave? Immorality will take every good thing, like I said, that God planned for you out of your life. It will drain all the quality out. It will take all the sweetness out. It will squeeze all the real pleasure that God wants you to have, the pureness of holiness. If I may say it this way, the beauty of holiness. There's nothing like it. You say, where is that found, preacher? Well, we're supposed to... uh, there's a lot of sweetness in life. Where, where, where's it found that don't squeeze it out? Well, let's, let's read it. Let's read it. Proverbs 13, 9 says, The light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked should be put out. Proverbs 12, 7 says, The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. Proverbs 10, 28, and these are just that mountaintop. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. They hope things are going to get better. They 
They, they want things to get better, but they don't. They don't. If I could stop you tonight and literally shake you and keep you from going in this direction, I'd do it. Show you what lay ahead because of immoral behavior. Let you see the possible future that you are making for yourself. Losing everything of value, missing God's best. And here's the, here's, here's the real winner. And still not being satisfied. This is the crazy part about sin. Sin does not satisfy. <laughs> sin does not satisfy. As soon as you partake of it, not long after that, you're hungry again. In fact, maybe more hungry than you were before you took of the first. You become more hungry, still thirsty, still craving. I believe we, tonight we need to believe the Bible. We need to believe the warnings of this book. Are you, are, do you have to learn the hard way, or can you learn the easy way? I vote for learning the easy way. Amen, amen on that? I, I vote on, on listening to those who've gone before us, listening to the Word of God, listening to the sages and wisdom of the Bible, and just, just saying, you know what? I'm just going to believe God on this, and 50 years from now, 50 years from now, I'll find out if it's true or not, but you will know it's true. You will. You will. We just need to believe in the Word of God and submit to it. Flee. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, New Testament. Flee fornication. word fornication is the word pornea. It's where we get our word pornography. Flee. The word flee means you have a burning house. You're just about ready to die, and you, 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 you don't even know it's on fire, but you finally learn it's on fire and you got a few seconds to make your mind up and escape, that's what that word means. It means with everything you got, run. Run. I told the illustration, my brother and I were working out there in Fort Myers Beach in a motel, spreading contact cement. We didn't realize who in the world would have a gas dryer in Florida. Everybody's got electric, but not in this motel. They had LP dryers. And so we're spreading this contact cement. I got a whole gallon in my hand. All of a sudden, I hear this horrific sound called, <laughs> and the whole room lit up. All the flames started at one time. I had the gallon thing in my hand, came right up the thing. In my hand, I dropped the gallon. It hit. Flames went all the way to the ceiling. I backed out of the room. Now, right at this moment, we're, we're, we're in the process of burning the motel down. And so a guy comes out of his room next to where this we are, and he sees what's going on. And my brother and I are trying to get into the fire extinguisher where they, somebody had been stealing them, so they locked them. They locked them in there where we couldn't get the thing. We ripped the thing off the wall, stood on top of it, beating it, trying to... They put an unbreakable plexiglass in place of the glass. Boy, was that a Morgan and Morgan moment. We finally somehow broke the plexiglass and got the other things. But in the meantime, as my brother and I are struggling 
with this sound of this flame and this whole, that black smoke going down the hallway of this motel. And, I, and my brother and I are struggling to get this fire extinguisher out of this uh, safe they put it in. And there's a guy, he comes right up to us. I'm trying to illustrate what the word flea means. And right up to my ear, I'm, I'm sitting here helping my brother, and this guy's right here. Run! Run! And I'm like, I'm hearing the roar of this fire, you know, and it's getting bigger, right? It's getting bigger. And he says, run! And man, I want everything in me wanted to run. Everything in me wanted to run. And then he took off and ran and left his, left his room door open. That was a real costly mistake. All that black smoke went in his room, ruined all his clothes. And we took that, we took, I'll tell you the end of the story. We took the extinguisher out, and in one, psh, the fire was out. It was, it was out. Put the whole fire out. But I got a whole new definition of the word flee. Man, I wanted to just turn and run on that thing. Get out of that. And that's what it says. The Bible says flee. As if it's one of the worst things that ever could happen to you. Flee. Fornication. Why? Why? Every sin that a man doeth is without the, without the body, outside of the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. I can't actually explain that. But there's something inherent about immorality that's different from every other sin to the extent that it is attacking your own body. Of course, this may be before they understood about venereal disease. When I was a kid, there were 35 different kinds of venereal disease. I heard the other day there was over 200 identified venereal diseases, AIDS being the latest, greatest of them. And so I suppose that could be applied to you, but I think it's bigger than that because our verse says it attacks your soul also. Proverbs 6, 33 says, But whosoever committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. I've had people that have committed adultery come to me and try to deny that it ever happened in, in, in this extent. Try to say, well, it shouldn't affect me just because I had this problem. It shouldn't affect this or affect that, but it does. The Bible says it never changes. Uh, it's there. It, it has changed you and affected you. It's wicked. It's wrong. Stay away from it. And I find people that have been burnt by it are the ones against it the most. You want to find somebody against smoking? That's a former smoker. But you get around a former smoker, they're like death on smoking. Don't you smoke. I hate the smell of cigarettes and all that stuff. Because they understand the addiction of it. They understand the harshness of it. Like that brother on cocaine. He understood it. He understood how horrible it was. He was in the middle of it. That's why he gave me the warning. Whatever you do, preacher, whatever happens, don't ever take cocaine, not even the least little bit of it. Don't worry, man. I, hey, I'm good. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. 
Do you believe the Bible tonight? If you believe it, really, follow it. I don't know everybody here. I don't know what you do at night. And I don't know what you do on your, on your own in your quiet time when nobody's around. Nobody will ever know. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know what the Bible says. And I don't think this is a sin just for young people. This is not just a sin for young people. This is the kind of thing that creeps in old people. You ever heard of dirty old men? Let's stay away from it. Let's choose to believe the book. Let's choose to, to put ourselves before God and say, God, I hate it. I denounce it. I turn away from it. I obey it. That way, when the, when the temptress comes by your house, you'll go, whoa, whoa. I've, I've had, there's not been a man out there had, that, that God does not allow uh, temptation to come by. We're supposed to count precious in James chapter 1, all kinds of temptation by the grace of God. It comes by and we overcome it. It's more precious than gold that perishes. But when them women come by, men, and try to take you away from your woman or your wife or your single guy, either one, you look at her like she's the plague, the witch of Endor. The worst thing that could ever come by, turn around and run. Stay away. Father, help us tonight. May this message go out of the simple word of God, the truth, and may it save a soul. May it save a person from a life of regret, a life of hard, hardship, a life of defiled conscience. I know the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, but we're not cleansed from consequences on this side of heaven. Uh, we still struggle with the consequences of sin this side of heaven. Yes, it's forgiven, no doubt. But yet the memory of it, David said after he sinned of immorality, he said, my sin, speaking of that immorality, is ever before me. Oh, God against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Heal the bones thou hast broken. Read Psalm 51. Read Psalm 32. See how David lamented. Listen to him when he cries out, Absalom, Absalom. Oh, my son, Absalom. I would have died for you. He knew Absalom died because of him, because of his immorality. He knew it. His whole life, until he died, he lived with the harsh, the harsh reality that his family, being all tore up, was in some degree directly due to him and his misbehavior and partaking of adultery. Oh, dear one, don't you be fooled. Don't you be fooled. In Jesus' name, help us, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, 
Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.